I'm selling a house for $14 million. And I asked the buyer of the house, like, why does she like it? What does she love about it, et cetera? And I'm basically making her pitch it to me as to why she should buy it, which is kind of ironic because I'm the salesperson. I should be pitching it to her. But I'm gaining, I'm creating an emotional connection with the person and a trust by making her almost want to sell it on me. This is The Playbook. I am so excited because I have another superstar from the million dollar listing, but this time LA, sorry, Ryan Serhant. I have Josh Flagg and the bar has been set high, Josh, because Ryan Serhant was one of my first podcasts and I went with really low expectations <laughs> and he has blown me away ever since with what a great <laughs> business person, but also salesperson he is. And I know you probably have uh, been exposed to his genius. Now it's interesting because somebody way long ago when I started my podcast would have said, who would you rather interview? It would have been you. And the reason is, is that I knew more about, you know, my sister grew up around Beverly Hills. Uh, she's on Bedford right here. And she's a huge fan of yours, but not necessarily because of the TV stuff, because of your philanthropic work. And my brother's a rabbi and you do so much for the Jewish community. Who inspired you? to get so involved, you know, with your heritage and, you know, the, the community itself. Well, of course, I mean, obviously my grandmother inspired me to be involved in charity. I mean, that's, it's not even, it's, you know, somebody asked me the other day, is like, why do you do it? I go, it's not a choice. It's something you have to do. It's like something that was just, you just do it. It wasn't like when I was growing up, it was like, oh, you should get involved in charity. It was not even like an option. It's just like what we do. Right. And so it's not just money, it's time. It's, it's, you know, you know, I cannot tell you how many, <laughs> how many political, or religious or any kind of uh, charitable events that have been thrown in my backyard. Um, uh, you know, my grandfather used to say, you know, you can't take it with you. So you gotta, you know, it's just like, it's an obligation as a Jew, I guess I, that's what I feel. I love that. And you do such a great job helping others in that respect. Also, one of the other things I admire about you is your understanding about value. Uh, all the greatest real estate agents and you're the top Beverly Hills luxury agent that I know of and just an extraordinary student of value uh, because value is an energy, money is an energy and it takes a certain type of mindset in order to understand selling 30, $40 million homes. Uh, and I always say the only difference for me uh, energetically between a $300,000 house and a $30 million house is some zeros in mindset. Mm. And so I really want to explore your mindset be able to be able to number one, get those listings, but also to sell them. So what's the question? For the difference between value in selling or listing a $300,000 house uh, to a $30 million house. I have to say, um, ironically, it's probably more work to sell a $300,000 house than it is to sell a $300 million house. Um, well, actually, there's, I guess you could look at it two ways. I mean, the person that's selling the $300,000 house, every single dollar is going to count. And so you're probably going to get a lot more calls as the agent. You're going to get a lot more calls from that person. I mean, every single thing you're going to have to handhold them through. Whereas a $300 million house is, this is, you know, if you're selling a $300 million house, you've, you've sold a $300 million boat, a plane or whatever. You're used to this. Like you have people to deal with. Like it's, it seems like it might be a little bit easier, but when you get into that kind of number price range, you know, um, they could also be very, very difficult and demanding and, you know, essentially expect your time a lot more. Um, so, you know, it's funny. So I guess it, 
they both could be very. How about a, how about a number in the middle? So we have to yeah, we just million. go with like thirty million or yeah, yeah. Well, that's million. What I meant to say thirty. Yeah, sorry. I mean, there's very few three hundred million. So yeah, to say, I mean, it's there. I think it's just their different expectations. But everybody, at the end of the day, money is green, and everybody like appreciates every dollar. And whether you're selling a thirty million dollar house or a one million dollar house, whatever, there's you know. Sometimes we take it for granted because I do this every day and I sell so much that it's not. To me, it's like, why are they calling me and asking me such stupid questions? But then I have to think to myself, it's not a stupid question. Like, they are selling a house only once or twice. Like, I'm doing this like 14 times a day. So and then I, I sit back for a second, I take a breath, and I go, okay, if I was on the other foot, what would I be doing? I would probably be stalking the person. And then I realize, okay, fine. This is your job. That's why you're paying me big bucks. I have to take every call. And to that matter, there's two areas that I think you have to excel at in order to get those listings and to sell them is one, the emotional aspect. People buy on emotion for logical reasons. You know, they want to go shopping with a friend, but they want to be emotionally satisfied in a purchase. And then the other side is the quantitative side that you have to be the best agents, the, the best brokers are great at math and they're very capable of quickly assessing where that margin lies, where the timing and risk tolerance lies. So number one, it's a rarity that you're good at both. You know, there's the math side of the brain and the emotional side of the brain. You're excellent at both. How important do you feel the emotional connection is between the people you're working with compared to just the quantitative analysis of math? I think emotionally you have to be connected to the buyer because they have to trust you. You know, for instance, you know, I'm writing a book that's coming out in, I believe, September. HarperCollins is publishing it. And I have the final draft uh, right now inside. And I was reading through it last night, um, just going over little, um, you know, notes. And one of the chapters, um, I write about how I'm selling a house for $14 million. And um, I asked the buyer of the house, like, why does she like it? What does she love about it, et cetera? And I'm basically making her pitch it to me as to why she should buy it, which is kind of ironic because I'm the salesperson. I should be pitching it to her. But I'm gaining, I'm creating an emotional connection with the person and a trust by making her almost want to sell it on me. Like, I'll say, well, here's why I don't like the house. I'm a little concerned about this, or I'm a little concerned about that. And so while I'm saying that, she's thinking in the back of her mind, she's thinking, huh, this guy's not selling me right now. He's actually concerned about my well-being. He's concerned about the negatives. He's concerned about issues. He's, I, why am I selling him on this? Why am I begging him to write an offer on it? So I'm kind of just creating a level of trust, and I'm being honest, too. I'm also saying these are my concerns, and then I'm not saying don't buy it, but I'd like to, I want you to hear what I don't like about the house. Then you tell me what you do like about it, and let's come up with an idea. Let's figure out what this is. Let's, we're going to do this together. Are we going to make an offer on this, or are we not? And I think that that's the most important thing that you can do when you're working with somebody. You have to gain trust and, 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 and make them feel comfortable like you're, not, like you're not just trying to sell them anything. You know, I'll take people oftentimes just so that I can gain the trust. I'll line up houses ahead of time and I will I'll line up the shittiest ones first so that when we go there, even if they fall in love with it, and it's like only houses they want to see, but, but, but houses that I know that are not perfect, at least I can show them and say, eh, I'm not so crazy about this. Just so by the time we get to the better houses, they're like, oh, okay, this guy has my back. So the emotional aspect is, is by far the most important. Nice. And then as far as the math, how important is it to be able to, you know, coordinate a true value, an actual value, a bottom line with the perceived value, which can be, you know, completely arbitrary and capricious, especially in today's market? Well, 
I mean, the numbers are obviously very important and it's hard to, you know, it's so, it's, it's hard. Real estate is one thing where it's really hard to, to, a house is worth what someone's willing to pay for it, right? There's no actual, you can't, unless it's in like a, a planned community development or a track community or maybe even the flats of Beverly Hills because it's like, you know the price per foot of the dirt and you know the price per foot of, of the structure and you can figure out what something's worth, but it's really emotional. And so it's really hard to gauge what values are sometimes. So I like to say that I'm very good at, I can walk in a property and tell you in five seconds what it's worth. I don't have to look at the comps because I know what things are worth. And I've been doing this for now 17 years, but I've been doing this my whole life. And so a lot of people don't, that's a talent. A lot of people don't have that. They can walk into a house, I'm talking about other agents, and go and go, this is worth $6 million. And this should be priced at 5995. We're going to sell it for six, three in multiples. It's just a, it's something, I don't have a lot of talents, but that is one thing I do. <laughs> I can quantify, I can quantify a house very, very quickly. And so, um, you know, I think that when my clients see how quick I am with that and how, um, you know, how, how, Incredibly. how, in how much I believe in what I'm saying, they trust me. And, and, you know, one of the other things that's interesting is that in this day and age of content, that, you know, when you started in your career, you probably did not fathom that you would be a celebrity. Uh, I know that's true in my own career. I ran a sports agency. I represented athletes and celebrities. Never did I think, you know, that I'd have my own TV shows and like people would stop you to take a selfie with you. What is the difference? So you have to do, do your job on TV. And has it changed the way you do your job, knowing that millions of people are going to be watching this? Do you ever alter what you normally would say or how has it differed for you being a celebrity real estate agent instead of just a real estate agent? I would say that I do everything that you see, what you see on TV or what you see in real life. It's pretty consistent. I'm pretty much the same person as you see. And people always say like, whoa, I didn't realize that you're, you're not a character. That's who you are in real life. And I don't know if that's because like, I've always thought like I was on a television show, even before I was on one. Like I've always like been an actor. I've always been an, like, I like to entertain people. I like to have fun. I like to kid around. Like it's so being on camera for me is nothing. It's like we're doing like I could, there's a camera on me right now. I'm like not there's even like thinking about it. <laughs> I'm not even registering right now, which could be good and bad, I guess. <laughs> but that authentic self, that frequency comes through. You're just so natural on camera. And I think it resonates with people. How has it impacted? I know, you know, for your career, it's free marketing and advertising for you. How has it impacted your business uh, in a quantitative way? Has it increased it a hundred times, 10 times? I mean, it's hard to say because I've been do I grew up on TV. I, I started when I was 21 years old. I'm 37 now, excuse me, 36. <laughs> Um, I always say I'm a year older, so it's not as painful for the next birthday. But I'll I try forget. that. <laughs> I should just be thinking it. I shouldn't be saying it because I'm telling people. I'm I, I lie to people. I'm 10 years older, so they say, oh, you look you so look young. You look so great. Right? Yeah, exactly. I'm 65. I'm, see? Look, you look, you look great. <laughs> Thank you. Fantastic. So, um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, the show, of course, is immense. I mean, it's, it's yeah. gotten so, bring me so many opportunities. I mean, I, I can't tell you how blessed I am for that show. I, but there's a lot of successful show, TV uh, real estate agents that are not on TV. So who's to say that I wouldn't have been more successful? I don't know. I, like I can it. tell you that I'm glad I took a chance. And you enjoy it. I love it. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> You're fantastic at it. Um, beyond that, though, <laughs> you mentioned you writing your third book, I believe, uh, which will be out in September. Yeah. Um, 
it's a different mindset as well to write books. And your first book isn't about real estate. Uh, your first my book. first book was about real estate. My second book was about my grandmother. Oh, the second was about the grandmother. Yeah. So my second book was about my grandmother. It was really, you can, you can find them. You started them writing that when you were young, didn't oh, you? Oh, God. I started writing it when traveling around the world with my grandmother, probably when I was 14, I started writing it. You know, listen to older. We have like all of her old recordings and things at the in the vault at the Holocaust Museum in Los Angeles. So we have all the recordings still, but I used those recordings originally. Um, and... Um, um, and her just telling me stories and I just, we traveled around the world and, and we'd sit late at night and, and I'd ask her questions and I wrote the book and it was a great, it's, it's called a simple girl stories. My grandmother told me and it's available online. Um, it's and, an amazing um, book. It, it's interesting. Obviously I'm older than you, even if I lie about my age, I'm older than you. <laughs> um, but you know, I have a lot of friends who parents, uh, were in the Holocaust, of course, grandparents as well. And I used to joke around to, my friend saying, man, talk about a difficult situation, rough. man. Yeah, right. you can, imagine complaining to your mom or your grandma with knowing what they've been through. Exactly. And, but, you know, I've always been curious what lessons, you know, in that kind of non-complaining, non-worrying, uh, grateful, you know, it, it's almost born into you energetically and genetically to be grateful from your grandmother. You know, was there like a certain like takeaway that you still live by? You think in a situation of your grandmother as you're in the course of business or life going, God, I'm so, you know, glad grandma's with me. Well, she's yeah, she's always with me. I mean, I mean, I, I people always like if you knew my grandmother and you know me, we were very similar. So a lot of times I'll say things and I'll be like, oh, my God, I'm talking like a 90 year old woman. Like we just <laughs> I can't help. Like it's literally the, the, the way I speak, the lingo, the. You know, ninety-year-old Jewish woman. I got to put beads all over you. Like I just, I, it's really remarkable. Where was I the other day? And and uh, I think I was with somebody, and they said, "Let's go um, into this restaurant." But we weren't very dressed very well. We were just dressed normally, but it was like a jacket and a Thai restaurant. And they um, they go, "Maybe we should go home and get dressed." And I turned to him, I just as my grandmother would do it, and I patted him on the shoulder. I go, "They'll take our money." So it's just the way, like, and I just realized like, that's the way my grandmother spoke. You know, I grabbed his arm and I just said, I'll take our money. And I just talk, talk like her. I do my, 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 you know, personality. It's just, you know, I grew up, you know, with so much with her around. So I can't, you know, I don't know. Yeah. To that end, to the luxury market um, was one that I questioned during COVID, uh, how it was going to respond to uh, what was going on. And obviously all real estate is doing extremely well during the pandemic, um, a lot of people are concerned about real estate moving forward. You've been in it since you were little, as you said, right? Your whole life is about real estate. You know it so well. I'm a huge real estate investor myself. I've always been from golf courses, to ski mountains, the multi, even tons of residential. Lost over $100 million in 2008 because I was a moron. I needed a friend like you to teach me different ways. And But, you know, for you, I, I see someone that's successful no matter what happens. You were successful in 2008. You were successful during the pandemic and you'll be successful no matter what changes in the market occur. Why do you think you continue to be successful in real estate regardless of the external circumstances? Uh, three words uh, or three, uh, yeah, three words. Death, divorce, and disparity. Those are three things that happen regardless of what market that you're in. 
So when I'm selling, it doesn't matter if it's in a pandemic, it doesn't matter if it's now, tomorrow, whatever, there's always someone getting a divorce, there's always somebody that's in disparity, and there's always somebody that's dying, right? Those people need to sell their houses. <laughs> so it's all compelling event and need. Um, looking forward on the content side of things, what do you see for yourself? Uh, because you have become quite a personality beyond your extraordinary real estate experience and success. Do, what do you see for yourself as far as content goes? Is more TV shows, movies? What do you see for yourself? Um, whatever, whatever comes my way. I've not, you know, people always just You're say, open to offers. People always, yeah, they go <laughs> like, what, what are you interested? Why well, go, whatever makes money. You nice. know? That's the answer. I really, I mean, I don't care. I'm not like that. I mean, my my interests are are travel, interior design, and, and art. But I don't know how that translates into money. But you know, we started my business partners and and Adam Rubin and Andrew Shanfeld and I started a, a media company. And we we basically we whatever you see on my social media, which is you know Josh Flag One on Instagram, we do that now for other clients too. So we take on other clients as well. It's called estate media. Nice. Well, we'll have to call the state media ourselves. I didn't know you guys did that. That's awesome. Uh, you know, last question. Um, looking at that media side of things, do you? Where do you see it going? Is it going to remain on TV, or is the uh, importance of television going to dissipate, or will it continue to reconcile with social? I have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, you know, who would have thought that? You know, in the silent film eras, you know, then we start having the talkies. Like, who, yeah. who, who knows what's going to happen? You tomorrow. are a 90-year-old woman. I'm a 90-year-old Jewish that. woman. I know. Yeah. I'm telling you, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> okay, Bubby. Yeah. I appreciate you so much. Josh Flagg, extraordinary personality, unbelievable real estate agent, and, of course, entrepreneur. I'm going to be given a call to build my brand because if I can do one-tenth of what this guy's been able to do over the last 17 years, <laughs> unbelievable. Congratulations Thanks on all your success. Thanks for having me. You're amazing. Here from the Beverly Hills Hotel, right? Live from the Beverly Hills Hotel. Live from the Beverly Hills Hotel in California. You got it. Dave Meltzer here with The Playbook.